And now, back to Answers for Elders as we honor our military veterans. Carriage is the proud sponsor of our veteran segment, hosted by former Seattle Seahawk, Dennis Boyd. Good morning. This is Dennis Boyd for Answers for Elders. We are down at Patriots Landing in DuPont, Washington today with Lieutenant Colonel Franz Dolman. Colonel, thank you very much for joining us. Colonel Dolman, you have an amazing story to tell, uh, and it starts at the age of 9 or 10 when you were in the Netherlands. Can you tell us where things started for you? Ja- oh, in Java. Well, um, it was my understanding that uh, it was you were living in the Netherlands and you left there to go to Indonesia. Uh, my father, we were already in Europe, mm-hmm. in, in France, okay. in Nice. My father wanted to get away from it, so the whole thing was to go get from here to Java. Uh, but with that mess that was in existence, you didn't know if you were going to make it there or not. So leaving Europe was a, uh, a gamble? It was a gamble of my father, figuring that he wanted to get away from there. And it was early enough, I think it was early, late 39 or early 40, I'm not sure. My father went to Java, but he didn't know the Japanese were going to be there. Right. And the Japanese have three days and they overran everybody. Compliment for Japan, okay? They were very disciplined with their soldiers. And there's a story I could tell you about my mom's and my father's wings. And we're told you get them at the end of the war. And they had to move those things around for two years. And a year later, we got released, and then they were still there. My mom got them back. Now, that's amazing for wow. how disciplined they were. So when Japan had overtaken Java in the early part of, uh, or I guess it was 40, 1940, about? 1944. 44, okay. I think it's And then what happened to you and your family? Well, our family, they put all the white-kinned humans in a separate camp, mm-hmm. you know, and we went out working in the fields every every day, almost. And uh, also other things, no food, you don't know. No. The, the space I had was maybe the size, that size of that couch there, that little couch. It's uh, about a two-foot by six-foot space yeah. there, or five-foot space, yes. And and the problem was the lice were really driving nuts after a while. So we, we went on lice hunts. And then there were also had a lot of mosquitoes, so the Japanese, and flies, and the Japanese said, well, uh, tell you what, we'll give you a small amount of sugar for 100 flies if you deliver those. You know, you a lick of it, your tongue would probably wipe up all the sugar that you had. And my brother and I, would, we'd save until you have the pile of 100, and then you go and get it turned in by the whoever was controlling it. was not a Japan guy sitting there. You know. So when you were, uh, tell me what it was like, you know, I guess you were working agricultural then when you were as a POW mostly, then? Mostly agricultural. I have a twin brother, and my advantage of the whole series of these things, Hans and I were always together. Hans mm-hmm. my twin brother. And so, uh, you know, that that helped a lot to have both. So most of the kids in, you know, they, they could be... In, Ten and a half, and never have, have nobody to take care of. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked to him hardly. But you always had your brother. Yeah, and so uh, I was lucky. Yeah, I, I consider it lucky. How did you find out the war the war had uh, was over? There were Dutch. There had been rumors in our secret radio, and then uh, not that maybe in a couple of days, a week later or whatever, two Dutch airplanes flew over and dropped pamphlets on the on the prison camp, all five of them. There was, to the best of my knowledge, there was five large camps. That they, I know they were right around Samarang. This is Java. Mm-hmm. The center is Samarang, which is a 
very busy business uh, port for ships. But what happened a little bit later, this is a little subject, but we wanted to get from to America. So getting to America, we got on board a ship, a freight, freighter, and there were two families in this family. My my family, that's your, my mother, Johanna, and then another family. But we were supposed to go into San Francisco, but the storm was so bad he was afraid he would roll and he didn't have any cargo because they didn't have any cargo. They didn't have limited cargo to give away. And it, this ship did not have the power to just get cargo. So anyway, so they dropped us off in, in, in Washington here. So you were, uh, you made it out. It sounds like almost uh, like you were almost a bit of, not a stowaway, but you kind of got on the ship by the skin of your teeth here in the ship that happened to be heading east uh, to the U.S. Yeah, he shifted his landing. So how did you end up in the Air Force? In the Air Force? Well, I, I saw all these soldiers, these guys getting, and the draft was still in effect, right? And I had decided I would not, period, I would not go and be an Army guy. It's just too, I don't want to get killed by the, after being on the Japanese. So I worked on getting my education done. I had a fly, I had passed a flying test. I'd passed a navigator test. I'd passed, I'd passed all these ch challenges of, and I finished four and a half years of college. So how uh, how many years did you uh, fly as a navigator then? I had active duty at 13 years, okay. and then 18 years of reserves. But the reserves in the 141 was like being on active duty with your own regular outfits, because we both, the active duty side and the reserves, had the same amount of information. In fact, the reserves had been flying already for say, three to five years, knew a lot more about what was happening with the airplane, very experienced crews. Mm -hmm. As a part of my interview with Franz, I had the opportunity to interview his two daughters, Chris and Kathy. Chris had to say this about Franz's time in the Air Force Reserve and his Vietnam experience. I don't know, it was about three or four years ago, someone, uh, one of my dad's um, uh, underlings said, Franz, you really should pursue a, a disability with the VA. You know, you were flying C-141s during the Vietnam years, in and out of Vietnam. And um, my father has certain disabilities that are uh, that have that um, uh, predisposed um, uh, diseases that are linked with uh, Agent Orange and other things. And um, for veterans that are of that age group, it's very difficult to get through that process. And um, so I I checked into it, and um, through that I learned a lot about the VA process. It's uh, it's harder than doing um, taxes, I believe. And um, so we kept at it and worked at it. But, you know, as my sister and my brother and I, we lived through those years, but weren't old enough to understand it. And uh, I'm sure it was terrifying for my mom, my dad too, but my mom raising three children at that age. But um, what I learned was that for six and a half, seven years, my dad was flying in there as a reservist um, taking cargo in and bringing bringing stuff back, uh, you know, once or twice a month for six six and a half years, and um, the reservists typically are the older, more experienced flyers because they've done their active duty time. They're looked to as the leaders. 
Um, the active duty flyers are the younger set, and so the more experienced flyers are really the ones that are the leaders on the crews. And um, so I, when I was working through this VA process, um, there's not a lot of records because that was all, um, you know, they... They never Well, they would take off, yeah, they take off from Accord and they might go to Yakota or they might go to Alaska and in midair they would change, they would give them their orders because it was all secret and they had to keep it, um, they had to keep it secret at the time and so um, it was hard to get uh, flight orders to prove, you know, to prove that they were boots on the ground in Vietnam. But um, I, as uh, as an adult child now, learned a lot about what my father went through and my mom as well. But it was um, it was very very interesting to learn how much time was actually spent supporting Vietnam. And um, at first it was a lot of cargo, and then towards the end, working mercy missions to evacuate. Um, Saigon. Um, my father told me stories about um, needing to get certain individuals out of the country who were desperate because they had a heart condition or because they had, you know, a certain situation. And it's very, very interesting. Um, one of the uh, compelling stories that I was able to corroborate was actually because of a um, an Air Force archivist was able to corroborate stories about some of the missions that were flown and it was just very very interesting for me to learn this as an adult. Kathy wanted to read this from one of Franz's writings. I'll read uh, an excerpt from a paper that my father wrote uh, in uh, documenting his POW experience and the three years that he spent in camp. He went through and he kind of wrote down his story. Uh, in addition to that uh, as, as children he would come into our history classes in high school and he'd talk about that POW experience of, of being captive and uh, what uh, he went through as a child and, and what he had to endure. And then he always ended, uh, he ended talking to those classes about also uh, trying to relate that to his experience in joining the military now. And I'll read just very quickly what he wrote because it basically is the same thing he would say to the class. Uh, we came to the United States in 1946 and now I am serving in the U.S. Air Force. Looking back after all three years, I can only thank God above who has given me the opportunity to dedicate myself to the country that believes in an individual. I've seen the folly of war, the cruel, the useless destruction it causes, the lives that it destroys and forever mutilates. I know the value of this country and those unspoken ideals that exist. This is why, today, I am ready to sacrifice my life, to kill if necessary, just to keep and preserve our America's freedom. And I think that's really well said, and that always stuck with me, uh, and when I talked to people that, you know, he'd say that being here in the United States, the freedom that we have in this country is worth dying for. Mm -hmm. And you only know that after you've had to give up everything, mm -hmm. and as he did for three years as a child. I want to thank retired Lieutenant Colonel Franz Dolman of the U.S. Air Force for his years of service and his two daughters, Chris and Kathy, for joining me today on Answers for Elders. This has been a special honoring veterans presentation of Answers for Elders brought to you by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E dot com. 
Well, hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.